This is Colorworks Radio, and I'm your host, Justin Baker. This week, my guest, Terry Conrad, has an amazing show installed at the Opalka Gallery in Albany, New York, on the Sage campus. It is a show that is full of amazing vision, curiosity, and energy that is compelling and inspiring. Terry and I sat down in the Alpaca Gallery and we talked about his work, his process, and his life since the lockdown, and how this experience of now has shaped what we see, or, to my surprise, here in the gallery. Prior to our conversation, I congratulated Terry about his new role as a dad and how amazing that experience is. But after I left the gallery, I began recalling that same period of time Terry was in with his one-year-old. The difference for me when my daughter was one was my father was dying and it became a weird space of life and death. But it was not just my time with Terry It was the idea at large of father. And that idea I continued to wrestle with in my head. And I think this is because of the complexity of my own relationship with my dad. But coincidentally, at the same time, that weekend my oldest daughter was turning 17. And I always associate that age with my father because he entered World War II at that age, 17, after changing his birth certificate. That is a part of his life story I can never fathom. That experience for such a young kid always blows my mind. My father had a lot of great stories from that time in his life. Some horrifying, some unbelievable, but mostly horrifying in a good way, at least in the way he told them. Some of these stories he was very open to telling, especially at the dinner table where he would hold court. Typically, he would first tell you about what he had read in the paper that day. Then, maybe a little free-form discussion of those events. Then, he finished with a story. All the while, my mother is encouraging him to eat, because he is not, and my brother and I are trying in some way to run out the clock. For the most part, as a kid, it seemed pretty cool that my dad was this crazy war hero. But as I got older, it really seemed to layer in the complexity of who he was as a human being, which is what a dad is. So here's one of my dad's greatest hits, The Missing Ear. As a kid, my dad loved to tell the story of his ear getting cut off in a fight 
in a bar at a port in the South Pacific. He told this in epic fashion, and he is the one who started the fight by mouthing off to the British soldier who was bad-mouthing the Americans. The entire bar erupts into chaos. My father and his crew against the entire British Navy. Chairs are flying, gin is in the air, and knives are out looking for throats. My dad's cornered by the bastard British officer. First, his tie is removed by a quick slash, and then, in a rapid burst of blows, his face feels warm, and his ear is gone. At that point in the story, we would always run over to check his ear and look for the scar. Yes, it was there, as proof. It wasn't until 20 years later that I finally asked my dad to please finish the story. We were up late, having a couple drinks. I was staying again at the house for a few weeks during grad school. And I asked dad, I always felt like there was more to the story. This man was trying to kill you. How did you get away? My father, so very, very nonchalantly replied, I picked up a chair and broke it over his goddamn head. (laughs) So, here's a song for you, Dad. Wild Indiana Boy. This is a song about an Indiana pizza shop. This is all for you.
sure. Talk to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, You know, no, it's totally cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is good. Mm. All right. So, should I start over? Yeah. Okay. okay. So, the name of the show is Object Permanence. And um, basically, that's a theory uh, in, in, um, for children that um, the idea of when, realizing that uh, something exists even though it's not in front of you. And so um, my partner is a preschool th- teacher and studied early childhood ed. And so um, that's kind of some like an interesting thing we've always kind of thought talked about. But then um, going through the pandemic, and also having a a baby, um, a, a new thirteen uh, month old now, um, the you know kind of reflecting on this year and thinking about um, well seeing her grow and understand the world, but then also being in this space where um, where um, you know uh, friends, family, um, not seeing people, but you know having this connection. But then also learning about everything um, that's going on in the world and um, thinking about people's experience that we don't necessarily know, but it's there and learning about that. And I think a lot of people are learning. So, I mean, it's been really a big reflection on the year. And then on maybe even on a personal note of um, uh, I've you know, been interested in music for a long time um, but uh, playing music, I kind of stopped maybe like 15 years ago. And it was been very sort of casual to pick up my guitar here and there. But also during the pandemic and communicating with our new daughter mm-hmm. through sounds and music. And so then I started making noisemakers and mm-hmm. instruments um, really last March when everything went down into lockdown. And then I kind of re- you know became pretty obsessive about it. Mm-hmm. So... So, yeah, for the people uh, who are going to come in and see the show, um, there's prints, uh, sculptural items, and this musical instrument. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, well, there's a handful of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So kind of take me through a little bit of um, what is it about, because a lot of these items in the show in the instruments you're making, not all, not every piece of the instrument, but a lot of it is from like found, uh, items, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, like ephemera or like mm-hmm. detritus or, you know, yeah. things that, you know, maybe are overlooked and coming in this morning, I was really curious because I, I, I don't think I'd ever heard you talk about that, but just knowing your work for as long as I have the, the relationship to that, that may be forgotten object. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been quite a while of thinking about, um, found objects and retrofitting things to do another job. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, one it's, you know, kind of, uh, I think there was early on maybe 10 or 12 years ago thinking about, um, at, on a real practical level of, financially, but then Mm -hmm. also, um, kind of really being curious about the other life of something and, um, making an object where it holds its original function, but then also can be transformed. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there's also um, a series of projects that I was making called manipulatives. And once again, kind of based off of the early childhood ed idea, a manipulative, something like a block, mm -hmm. like a wood block that could be a fire truck or um, an airplane, you know, <laughs> where it's like you take the thing and we can imagine it differently. Yeah. And I love that idea. Um, well, one of just reusing materials, but also just like the idea of reinventing, you know, and it could be like reinventing ourselves even. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty interesting to, to bring it back to the self. Um, but I got to ask, cause there's this with, with you, <laughs> there's like this, um, there's this, um, notion or there's this, um, like, uh, impulse, like I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a print. Right. So we start with a, the idea of I'm going to make a print, but I'm going to make the printing press as well. Uh, or I'm going to play music again, but I'm going to start by making the instrument. So it's like there's a longer lead up time. And I'm curious about also like that impulse, you know, because when yeah. I, you know, we're sitting here and uh, there's prints being made as we talk, right? Mm -hmm. Like over here and yeah. here. And then, well, there's no music happening, but we're sitting next to all these handmade instruments. Um, and I'm, you know, as someone who, you know, who makes stuff, uh, and did play music, um, I, I guess I've never had that impulse and I'm curious about where that comes from. Um, it's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think there is something about, um, Maybe, you know, when you see a performer and you're like, oh, I wish I could, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. Like a, um, uh, or a dancer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I early on in life, you know, just family members that make things, you know, um, my dad is a farmer. And so thinking about fixing things, fixing everything and maybe in the wrong, like it's not maybe the right thing, but retrofitting mm -hmm. the thing, um, but uh, the idea of maybe performance um, uh, is is kind of really exciting to me, but I also don't consider myself a performer. Mm -hmm. And so I also, you know, after undergrad, I worked as a costume and prop technician on oh, Broadway. Okay. And that was really formative, formative education. I worked for this guy named Martin Esquerdo, and he was a costume maker and a costume designer a lot of costume designers go to a costume maker so he was actually both mm -hmm. you know so he had a crew of us and um just the most amazing craft people making the things behind the scenes and really um transforming materials you know like the innards of a costume might look really gnarly Mm -hmm. and like piece together but the exterior is really beautiful mm -hmm. um but i kind of like that um behind the scenes thing um and i think there were some moments you know when i was at the job and like thinking about the inside oh if this the inside the, the touch of uh -huh. the, the costume is so beautiful yeah you know but it's um uh you know made to function 
Right. You know, and I, I think um, that part of that made me interested in highlighting that. Mm-hmm. The, the, so like the, the functionality of it? Yeah, the functionality and then also the craft or the unseen craft. The unseen craft. And then the inner workings of things. Okay. Because um, I do see them as almost figures, mm-hmm. uh, the printing presses as figures that are working and uh, making. But they're also almost like buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, architecture and there's the innards of the plumbing all this going on right right and um uh yeah so they're these performing things but they might not even look like they're performing interesting okay so the idea of a, of a press as a performance right okay which it is really like well i want yeah i mean it's because on my way over i was thinking because you know, I have a background in, in printmaking and a real love of it. Um, and I really, like in undergrad, fell in love with lithography. Awesome. And um, I, uh, my first job out of undergrad was at a, at a uh, litho press. Oh, very cool. And down in uh, lower Manhattan. And that was like a dance. You know, when you're trying to knock off, you know, up 500 hundred a thousand lithographs you know there's the person putting the ink on there's the person running the press there's me i was the guy putting down the paper Mm -hmm. you know like yeah and uh that's that's an interesting way to think about it so can i just add to something yeah yeah, Yeah. i think um you know my my undergraduate experience at alfred university i um I um, didn't make a single print and I um, actually um, I, maybe I made one or two and um, but afterwards moving to New York, mm-hmm. um, you, we know what New York's like. I could not afford a studio and, right. um, you know, really longed for that idea of having a space to work. And I was working a lot at the costume shop, but then I um, got to meet some printmakers at uh, Robert Blackburn printmaking mm-hmm. workshop. And I kind of, I got a flat file drawer. Rented okay. a, that was my studio, the, <laughs> the flat file drawer, a monthly fee, and then also shared space. And so I really um, fell in love with the community. Mm-hmm. And then I I took what felt like tens of classes, like ten hundred classes, you know, if it, it wasn't that many, but it was so many, every class I could possibly fit into my schedule to learn about printmaking. And so my my entry point was really, um, the community, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at first it was practical, but right. then it also was like, Oh, this is so great. Like work here and talk to you and learn from you, you mm-hmm. know? And so yeah, yeah. such a wonderful environment. Yeah. A print shop really, it has that, you know, uh, community feeling more than, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm referring to, to my experience at, um, purchase, um, and, you know, uh, people just working around and, you know, it's, it's kind of, it always feels a little, felt, sorry, um, a little different than say like the, the painting studio where everyone's kind of like shut their door and leave me alone. Uh Yeah. I have a lot of, I have a lot of jokes about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, God, there's so many like little threads here. I want to, uh, chase down, but take, because we're sitting, you know, we're sitting in a, in a room filled with prints. Can you describe um, your kind of 
um, e- your way in um, as an artist? Um, well, actually, first off, because I, I don't even know this, what did, what did you study at Alfred? Well, you know, they as undergrads, you don't have any major and you just take is um, they, they they you might shift into a concentration but um, because of its ceramic history, oh, right. um, everybody a lot, like if you went into the ceramic track, you were in the ceramic or uh, glass yeah. track. But if you were not in that, you were doing pretty much um, everything else and making um, you know um, combinations of things, which was really great. I went thinking I was going to do ceramics mm-hmm. and then didn't. Oh, okay. um, so then you know video and a lot of woodworking. Oh, okay. And interesting. Um, yeah, I think that that was another really important um, experience. That and going to a place with a grad program where you had these not only the teachers to interact with, but uh-huh. um, students that, uh, that were out in the world and came back. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. to learn from. Yeah. Huh. Um, okay. Yeah. So where was I going? Um, yeah. Can you describe a little bit more of your connection with like the printed? object or um you know the why i guess why i don't want to say like why printmaking but like why is there this uh con- continued like investigation of it um well i guess i think uh i i when i think about that i always go back to the word trace mm-hmm. and um you know sometimes i think about trace on individual, like the, the moment something happens and then you shift in your life Mm -hmm. or, um, a lot of more recent, um, activity has been around the idea of trace and the environment or even, um, organisms. Um, and so I, uh, was two years ago, I was lucky to, um, get the opportunity to, uh, uh, basically learn from a scientist, uh, Dr. Joan Bernhardt. And, um, I was introduced to her, her through, um, Laura Von Rosk and Sam Bowser who were organizing a show on science. Oh, okay. And so then, uh, it kind of developed into this, uh, long-term communication. I got to go on a research vessel out to sea in Santa Barbara oh my God. with her okay. and her research crew, Dr. Bernhardt. And, um, I have a very limited understanding of science, but I'm very, I've been interested in it Mm -hmm. in this kind of tinkering kind of way. Yeah. And, um, that was a really wonderful moment for me to make some realizations, learning about the science, particularly this piece here, this is printing press. It's called biomarkers. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's a really a biomarker is a really interesting idea in that um, an organism, it's an organism that has a trace of sort of a foreign substance. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about that idea of trace of something as a print mm-hmm. or a mark. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, I love the idea of thinking about traditional prints and um, the dissemination of information and um, the multiple right. being a powerful thing. But um, I think uh, a, a, another, um, maybe a 
more of a focus of the recent work is this idea of trace mm -hmm. and mark making and right. what it could possibly mean to us. Mm -hmm. Like what the, what's left over. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Or a f like this foreign imposing thing on us. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. That's interesting too. Huh. Because I mean, one, like it's interesting. You're talking about science and the, you know, um, because, you know, when you look around like these, the images are typically made from like rigid things, but they have this real, the print has a real organic kind of feel to it. That's mm -hmm. kind of, I mean, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Repeated forms. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Even geometric forms yeah. um, that could be mechanical, but also show up in nature, repeated mm -hmm. forms. Um, and a lot of things are, you know, particularly kind of looking at um, microorganisms mm -hmm. and that, uh, particularly through Dr. Joan Bernhardt's uh, research, the organisms were foraminifera. Mm -hmm. And um, they're this like wonderful, uh, uh, fascinating organism that's adapting to extreme weather change. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I spent a lot of time learning about them from, you know, my own research and then yeah. directly from Dr. Bernhard. Um, and at one point I was just uh, making these like silk screens, etchings and that mm -hmm. kind of learning about them. Yeah. And then I started um, imagining some of the concepts mm -hmm. to make the prints, mm -hmm. you know, so some of the things I was learning. So making a maybe uh, a fictional uh organism yeah and it was really fun going through that process because i um i uh you know dr bernhardt actually has found new species oh interesting you know and so she's named species <laughs> and so these some of these um uh organisms she named so she uh -huh. titled the print oh, okay. um and i for short i call them anoxiki which is um, absence of oxygen. That's uh -huh. the second part of the scientific name because I can't really say the first part very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like, let me hear about this for a second. So you went out on a boat mm -hmm. and you were, so this is um, a ship. A ship. <laughs> they'll, they'll tell you it's a ship. It's a ship. <laughs> yeah, not like a, a rowboat. But uh, so you went out there and I'm guessing you guys were out at sea sailing around and you're, learning and you're just hanging out is that what's going well, on uh, so i'm learning about all the tools that they use to collect uh -huh. um mud and water samples oh wow and so there's these beautiful machines um that you know collect uh, uh salt water at different levels in the water column mm -hmm. and then do research surrounding it or go to these different areas in mm -hmm. uh, Santa Barbara to um, – in Dr. Bernhardt has been studying this area mm -hmm. for like 30 years. So we tried to go to the – we tried to go to the same place that she's been to previous times. And then also uh, maybe there's some other exploration within there. But each time you drop the, one of these tools into the ocean, mm -hmm. it's called an event. Oh, wow. So the first one, whether it's you're going for mud or water, you know, so – you know, we maybe over the course of uh, 10 days did, I think, some, maybe 60 events. Mm -hmm. And each one takes a long while. 
mm -hmm. um, 50 or 60 events. And so collecting the mud and water, um, I ended up getting this job of working in basically this walk-in cooler. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, taking the mud samples and the water samples and putting them into these little bottles. Um, and actually, in some cases, if you have this press, biomarkers, mm -hmm. you can see some of these containers, the exact containers we used. Okay. Huh. Um, wow. And so I brought back, uh, I uh, packed my suitcase with a bunch of the mud that they weren't using okay. and salt water. And so I uh, brought it back in the airplane and used it to make some of these inks that you're seeing. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. That sounds fascinating. It was so wonderful. And... Um, such a foreign experience for me. I grew up in Buffalo and didn't really go out to, I've never been out to sea. <laughs> did and you get seasick? I, 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 I was totally prepared for it. I thought I would, and I did not. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, good. Um, it's pretty bad. Oh yeah. I had it once. Oh yeah. no. Oh, no. Yeah. I could imagine. I seen it. I seen yeah. it on the ship. So, yeah. um, but yeah. So were you like sleeping out there and mm -hmm. wow, yeah. that sounds mad. Wow. Yeah. That sounds and really fun. Maybe we were out 10 miles. I'm not even sure how, how far out we were, but mm -hmm. it felt. That's it pretty far, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the soil or the mud samples that um, were at the bottom of the sea, uh, I, I, can, I have them labeled over there, mm -hmm. um, the, I think 564 meters below sea level. Oh, know? wow. And so um, mm. some of these inks in this corner of the gallery are made mm -hmm. from that mud. Mm. You see, that's like another part. Like you make your own inks and you're, like, you're a madman. <laughs> it's, it's also um, somebody came into the gallery yesterday and said something along those lines. Like, like um, you work really hard or, you know, and I, I actually don't know that I, I, maybe I work, but I also feel like it's been consistent and, mm -hmm. um, a slow process mm -hmm. too of um i you know in our time i often feel like wow i i'm cutting up another can you mm -hmm. know i have you know in my studio i like quite literally hundreds of cans mm -hmm. cut and folded and yeah yeah you know um uh and i cut up my first can 13 years ago mm -hmm. and i was thinking I was just making a relief print with it. And mm -hmm. that turned into a vessel, mm -hmm. an open bottom vessel that could hold ink. And then, and then, you know, the weight is really important, you mm -hmm. know? So it was really in some ways, it's like listening to what was going on mm -hmm. as opposed to, um, uh, having a thought and then following it. It was kind of just, like, there's an accumulation and a lot of accumulation in mm -hmm. here, not only just these stacks, levels, strata of, objects but it's just um the project itself mm -hmm. does that make sense absolutely so like listening to the process right like that's kind of what i'm, I'm getting like you're you're just following this trip you know this voyage of exploration you know and like how it keeps um mutating in a way or you know it keeps just keeps kind of growing mm -hmm. um, because, well, I think that's important to note because like the work, the work here in the show is it's from a decent chunk of time, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not just now, but it's right. like 2000, 
2014, I think I saw over there. Yeah, there's actually a couple things, maybe 2011 even. Um, there's, uh, it, uh, we, we were, we, I, I probably brought, um, you know, double the amount of work that <laughs> it was really like to edit, you know, uh-huh. and we were talking about, um, it's not necessarily all the work that's been made in say 10 years, but maybe just, uh, um, places to make connections between. Yeah. Uh, so, and it feels all connected. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like, you kind of move through and you're like, it's very nice. It's funny because sometimes I feel like I'm trying something very different. And mm-hmm. then a few weeks later, like, well, it's not that different. I mean, it's just like <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. the next step. Like, yeah. I feel, oh, this feels like a bold move. But then like stepping back, it's like, okay, that maybe just was a natural thing. But it, it felt like it took some personal uh, courage, to, It would, which sounds mm-hmm. ridiculous. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I have one, one question, uh, cause I'm curious cause I'm, you're sitting in front of it, but what is this space behind you? Um, yeah. So, um, this is a, um, it's called the Iowa booth. Oh, okay. And, um, years ago, um, my partner and I, we found this old voting booth. Okay. And it was a four-sided structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and turns out our house, um, old, um, when we got it, it was this old falling apart building that, um, it was the old firehouse and that's yeah. where everybody came to vote in town. Oh, and so we had okay. it tucked away. We found it tucked away in the attic and it's this beautiful, um, object, really, um, delicate woodworking. It folds up and is stored. And, mm-hmm. um, and it has canvas walls. Mm-hmm. And so taking that beautiful dot design and blowing it up so it could be a space that's for more than one person. Mm-hmm. And it's a, so then a nine-sided object where there's the potential for multiple people to go in there. Yeah, yeah. And so um, in the time of COVID and uh, Zoom life is happening, mm-hmm. um, I I wanted to make something that maybe could share the show um without coming to it and yeah, so yeah. uh and also maybe some of the inspiration some of the ideas and that so um every Thursday night starting next week we're having lectures mm-hmm. and they're broadcasted from the Iowa yes. booth. Okay. And um in 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 some cases it's the idea of being broadcasted from it. Yeah. Some, um, uh, there's a, a researcher, uh, speaking next week from Iowa, oh, Sylvia okay. Secchi, who's, a um, environmental cell, uh, sci- um, environmental, um, researcher that is basically studying the effects of farming mm-hmm. the week after Dr. Joan Bernhardt is giving a talk, um, uh, the, scientists who I've been collaborating with. Oh, okay. And then there's a musician that has some guitars I made and some of he's playing some of his music and using some of my instruments. Uh, his name's Tommy Santa Claus on February 25th. Wow. Okay. Is that uh, a real name or a, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> is that his, um, is that's that his, his stage uh, name. It's his stage name. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, uh, uh, Dante Hayes, a ceramic artist, mm-hmm. uh, makes wonderful 
work um, is actually giving a talk on, um, I believe it's March 4th. And then Brian Dewan is uh, um, gi giving sort of a musical performance from the oh, space amazing. on March 11th. Okay. So the, all that can be is going to be um, in the Iowa booth. Iowa booth, and then we'll have videos of it that you'll be able to find on the Apolka website. Cool, cool. All right. Huh. Huh. Kind of just wrapping up, but um, uh, the connection to Iowa, you're teaching there, right? Yeah. Are, I, are you teaching there right now? I teach uh, printmaking at the University of Iowa. Yeah. yeah. And I am on a... Um, I am so lucky to have a research semester right oh, okay. now. Um, and uh, so I am doing uh, some uh, virtual um, instruction and um, sort of committee work. But my, as far as classes, I'm not teaching classes okay. this semester. Yeah. And um, getting to do um, – to get into the studio. So I'm very lucky and privileged to have that opportunity. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Well, plus the baby. And, yeah. You know. You've done it. You've done it all. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm a huge fan. Um, I love your work. Um, I love hearing about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think all the time we spent together, we never really uh, got to this. But um, it's fascinating to hear. Oh, wow. Well, so thanks for taking the yeah. time. And it's a real honor to be able what, to sit with you. What's your daughter's name? I, I don't Georgia. Georgia. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Too. Thank I, you. I you amazing. She's mentioned it. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's your life. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Justin. As always, thanks for listening. Go check out Terry's show at the Opaco Gallery. It's up till March 13th. And go check out Project, Project, Project at Collarworks Gallery. That's three solo shows in one gallery. It's up till March 14th, and Collarworks Gallery is located on 621 River Street in Troy, New York.